Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell, and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Art, 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, January 19th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts bringing expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events and how they affect your economy. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 Four hundred eleven fifty, or online at themoneyr.com. And our lineup in studio for today's show, Austin Chapin with 360 Credit Consulting. Today, you'll learn about credit restoration. Also in studio, the first time in studio, Jebediah Gardner with Gardner Global. Time to even out the playing field. And last guest in studio, Vincent Humphrey, attorney at law with Humphrey & Associates, divorcing hot questions regarding your property. Great information and great guest in studio. As always, if there's any questions that you have or you'd like to connect with our guests, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50, or you can also go online at themoneyhour.com. And we'll start out today's show, Keelan, with a little money chat. Money chat. Money. Money. So I thought it might be nice, uh, Keelan, to talk a little bit about the government shutdown and the effect of the mortgage industry, because there's a list of issues in the mortgage space that are being affected by the government shutdown. But Gateway is, we're pretty much business as usual. And, you know, I, I, I can't say that I've, I can't remember a time that I've been more proud of working for a company like Gateway. I mean, the two years that I've been with Gateway in comparison to a lot of companies that I've been through in my almost 25-year career, uh, they just really uh, do everything that they can to build a great great platform, not only for their employees, but also for uh, the customers that they serve. And so love to announce that any of our gateway clients where we service 100% of our mortgages. So, um, well, almost 100% of our mortgages. And so if your mortgage is serviced with gateway and, and for some reason, you know, you're being affected by the government shutdown and you can't make your mortgage payment, um, if you have any lates, any wave, any fees during this government shutdown are going to be waived. Um, if you do have mortgage lates during this time of the government shutdown, they're not going to report it to the credit bureau. Oh my gosh. And our Austin, our credit expert, is I've got a big smile over there that has a huge impact on credit if you have just one 30-day mortgage late so uh, no worries there now government employees income if a government employees are uh, not getting paid because of the government short um, shutdown and their year-to-date income says zero, we're actually going to take their 2018 year-to-date pay stub and we're going to qualify off of that income. So uh, that's really cool. It's not going to put a freeze. And what this really means if you're in the process of getting a loan now with a traditional mortgage company and you are working for uh, a government company and you're not making income, guess what's happening to your loan? It's getting declined. And that 
that home contract that you have out there is falling through. So uh, we can definitely save you in that situation. Also, they're waiving the uh, VOE. It's a verification of employment, which is required to get on all loans. So what they have to do is they have to show their due diligence that they went through and requested the verification of employment within 10 days of the loan funding. But if they don't get that back because the government shut down, then they're going to go ahead and close without the verification of employment. IRS transcripts, they're waiving those too. So the yeah. IRS transcript, with a, with a reason for that is you're providing full tax returns on a lot of loans, and so they have all of the documentation to show that you actually are making the money uh, that you say that you're making on the loan application, but they want that extra bit of uh, checkpoint where the government is providing a transcript showing that those tax returns have not been altered. Well, we can't get transcripts right now with a government shutdown. So we're moving forward and closing loans without those. Uh, VA loans, anything required to close a loan on VA, we're closing without that as well. So all of it's really exciting. The only thing that we don't have control over as no lender would, would be USDA because USDA, uh, the agency is involved in every part of the process during the closing. It's actually getting underwritten by USDA. So if you're on a USDA loan um, right now in the process of purchasing a home, it's probably um, not going so well for you. (laughs) So a little bit about uh, what Gateway's doing. I do want to do a shout out for uh, personal uh, finance guarantees as well. I've mentioned it on the show before, but um, I have a, offer a $1,000 buyer guarantee for a 25-day close and a $5,000 financing guarantee for the seller if anything happens to your financing. So it really helps you to be set up in in this uh, great market that we're in right now. So, Keelan, what do you got today for Money Chat? That's, Are you talking personal or business? You know, um, I've been kind of on this uh, affordable housing kind of thing lately. I've been really yeah, interesting and, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of what's going on in the Seattle. And we've for had a lot reason. of economists and guests mm-hmm. and things that have talked about it. And it's intriguing because it's, uh, it's a pretty big issue. And kind of what spurred that is Microsoft decided to give $500 million, uh, towards 500 million. Af- $500 million mm. towards affordable housing, which reading some of the dialogue online, um, people aren't like really happy about it. They think it's kind of a drop mm. in the bucket. I mean, if you think about it, that's 500,000, 1,000 houses. I mean, it's a great gesture mm-hmm. and we need our businesses to step up, but it's not a crazy game-changing amount by yeah. any means. Um, but I am happy that they're employing people here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. good for all of us, well, right? I mean, they were I mean, kind of at the positive side. You're right. You're <laughs> right. And they, I mean, they were part of the whole thing, right? Amazon yeah. and and mm-hmm. Microsoft. They have, you know, they play young employees well, and that's driven yeah. the the cost of homes. And you know, we're kind of missing that middle area with affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's going to be uh, interesting, but you know the reality is, and a lot I've read about up on this a lot. Uh, it's the zoning is really the main thing, the zoning issues we have, and lack of density um, in in um, single family residence is like seventy five percent of the zoning that we have, and wow. we just haven't done anything about it mm-hmm. at all. So it's really um, it's an issue because people can't. The, what is the median price house like, like or price on homes now is like what seven fifty? Mm-hmm. So you got to be pretty well off right yeah. now to be able to afford a home in uh, in an area so um it'll be it'll be interesting what happens i mean um and i mean 2015 ed murray tried to address some of these issues but it got de- derailed because the kind of sense uh sensationalized media and things that were yes. kind of blown it out of proportion and he uh, he did a u-turn like immediately when they mm-hmm. started addressing this so as population increases 
it's only going to push the issue for the, uh, forward, you know, yeah. it's only going to get worse, Yeah. you know, and um, our transit is, we got to meet that too. So how yeah. are we going to commute? How are we, these... It'll be interesting to see as we go into time how uh, things are getting played out. And I'm excited for the, I guess, that we have coming back again to talk about affordable housing. A shout out to uh, Troy Thiel for yep. everything that he's doing and some great, uh, great stuff is happening behind the scenes in the industry that we bring here right on the money hour. So, That's right. yeah. Well, coming up next on the money hour, we're going to stay here and we're going to bring in uh, our credit expert, Credit Respiration, with Austin Chapin with 360 Credit Consulting right here at 1150 AM, KKNW, after the short break. Are you a homeowner in a condo community? Do you want to see the value of your home increased year over year? Do you wish your HOA had more money in reserves? Do you wish your property manager would respond to a simple email and phone call? Jebediah and his team at On Point Real Estate have assisted over 200 condo owners increase their property values with their high level of customer service and attention to detail. On Point manages over 20 acres of real estate in King County. Jebediah and the On Point Real Estate team is an award-winning real estate firm receiving the King County Small Business of the Year Award, Emerging Leader Awards, and the City of Seattle Human Rights Business Leader Award. Hi, I'm Jebediah Gardner, owner of On Point Real Estate. You can call me at 206-623-1844 or email me at jsg at onpoint-properties.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host, Keelan Harvey. And your local mortgage experts right here on 1150 AM KKNW, our Saturday, January 19th show. It is a great day to talk about money, and that's what the show is about, how to make money, save money, have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. To answer any questions to the guests that we have on the show today, please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, we have Austin Chapin with 360 Credit Consulting. Today, you're going to learn all about credit restoration. Austin, thank you so much for coming back in studio. It's always a pleasure to uh, chat with you about how to improve credit. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back in the studio. I always enjoy being out here. You're welcome. And a little bit about Austin. Austin Chapman with 360 Credit Consulting is a regional sales manager for the Northwest region of the U.S. He is 25 years old. Oh my golly, you're half the years <laughs> old that I am. <laughs> and uh, when he's not working, he's golfing, working out disciplining new habits into his routine that he believes will contribute to success and most importantly spending time with his friends and family. I like that. Austin, let's start with your title and uh, what exactly are your responsibilities uh, in your role for helping people repair credit? What do you do? Yeah, so specifically I'm a regional sales manager of the Pacific Northwest. Um, I travel out here every other week uh, to the Washington area from Denver, Colorado. However, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm a credit consultant, credit expert. We definitely handhold the clients and help them get up to the score that they need to be for whatever financial matter that they want to be accepted at. So Austin, the biggest issue or challenge that you see in credit repair? Um, 
The largest issue that I see with credit repair are people trying to fix it completely on their own. Yes, that is something you can do. However, you, there are a lot of hurdles you have to jump. There's not a one-size-fits-all fit, for mm -hmm. it. Um, it's definitely not a cookie-cutter, uh, for lack of a better term. So reaching out to an expert like 360 would be a, a highly advised. And, you know, it's funny that um, you answered that because I actually put that down for our bonus question because that is the biggest issue that we see in the mortgage space is clients trying to um, save money, which ultimately they are not. They're spending a lot more by not being able to get that uh, that required credit score, possibly missing out on homeownership altogether. So uh, such a great point. Yeah, a lot of myths, too. People think they're, they're experts and a lot of times they're just um, they're just noise, right, mm -hmm. in our industry. So you got to be careful where you're putting your effort and especially your money towards your credit. That's a yep. big deal. So, Austin, you could imagine that we um, we get courted quite a bit in the mortgage business by credit repair people, and I think they're extremely valuable. But um, you guys are different, and tell us a little bit about that. What makes 360 different from other credit That's repair? That's why you're companies? here, Austin. Yeah. So specifically in the mortgage industry, um, two of the largest issues we do see with credit repair, and you know who you want to work with specifically, are are these people going to return you back as a mortgage lender alone? Um, and what we find as uh, failures in it is client participation and clients falling into this dark hole where they end up going to their local lender and you never hear back from that client again. Mm -hmm. So in 360, we have actually um, found a way to overcome those obstacles. And that's our follow-up game. We're reaching out to these clients 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. We advise you as loan officers as well to touch your clients two times a month, maybe once a month. That 20% of your touching can bring you back 100% of the award as long of the award, as long as we're keeping that kind of seat underneath them a little bit warm, the client will end up back into your hands. So Austin, how do you recommend uh, that people start in the process of fixing their credit? So uh, like I said earlier, there is not a one size fits all. Um, contact me. Mm -hmm. I'm, at, I'm available at 303-550-4753. We can break down your finances, your current credit card debt, medical collections, divorce-related issues, bankruptcies, and et cetera. And trust me, I promise you that if that, dark, if that dark cloudy sky comes over and you don't think there's an option to get back into that home, we are the ones that will help you get there. Yeah, I love that. I like that. So, And really, credit's becoming more and more important. I mean, uh, with technology and things, you know, for jobs or, you know, renting, purchasing, buying anything, you know. So, um, Austin, can you fill us in a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, outside of just buying homes, we just saw a new stat that one in seven employers actually have the ability to pull your credit before they decide to employ you. Yeah. And we're actually finding one in four people are, are getting denied that job due to having a poor credit score. And if you think about it, it, it does make some, it makes sense there because how you manage your money is going to also give an indicator of how you might manage your space um, where you're ultimately uh, getting looked at as far as employment. So Austin, what about uh, credit card advice is, you know, when you have somebody asking, what should I pay off first? What is your advice there? So um, typically, if you don't have an open and active credit card, you're actually losing out on 30% of your potential credit card score. Now, with that being said, um, people may think that if they have a higher limit on a credit card, say a $1,000 limit or a $100 limit on another credit card, that they should pay off the one with the higher limit first. However, what it is dependent on is the ratio between your balance and your limit. So if you owe 5000 or $500 to that $1,000 credit card or if you owe $50 to that $100 credit card, we would advise you to pay down that $100 credit card if that's more affordable for you for that $50 because then you'll get more bang for your buck. 
That makes a whole lot of sense. So I know what I would say to a client that wants to go get like a department store credit card before buying a house. What would you say, Austin? You know, we just saw this happen. It was Christmas time. Um, families would, would go out shopping for their loved ones. They would go out to Kohl's and spend, you know, $500 and get offered that department store credit card to get off that 20%. However, in the mortgage industry, you guys have seen this happen um, firsthand where a client does and they completely demolish their length of credit history. That can mm-hmm. take a 10-year length of credit history and nearly cut it in half down to five, which would damage your credit score in turn. Yeah, and you know, on on the mortgage end of it is as well. Um, whether you're opening a new card, if your debt to income ratio is is fine, your cre- you're at the highest credit score bracket. Um, it's not just that; it's the fact that you're in the middle of something. And when a soft pull is done prior to funding a loan, and there's a new credit card that's been uh, open, then it has to go back to underwriting, go through the process again, and so yeah, you're losing nightmare. that time, and it could affect the actual closing date. So. A uh, lot of things to be careful of there. Austin, uh, can you break down the credit brackets and what is considered an excellent versus poor credit score? You know, um, what, I, what I term as excellent, I would say, is over a 700 credit score. Um, what I'd coin as poor is beneath a 620. Um, however, uh, th- there's always room to grow. There's no not one person that can have that perfect credit score at an 850 and as you guys can speak on, the buying power with having a higher credit score is only going to allow someone to get more buck for their home. Yes, yeah, and for a mortgage purpose on the best interest rate at 740, so that's what we would consider excellent for that best interest rate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that 620, I mean, you can get loans when you get into like the 580, but once you get under that 620, it's going to have a pretty big impact on uh, the interest rate. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I get this question all the time, Austin. What about uh, collection accounts? What are your thoughts on there? How do we deal with those? So um, very, very often so we hear about uh, debt collectors reaching out to these clients. Now what we find is the older the debt may be on a report, say someone has not paid off their debt, we have to look at the date last active. When was this last time a payment was made on the collection? If it was a couple years back, it may be worth investigating before you do make that payment and update that date of last activity on the credit card. Well, and Austin, um, isn't it true that if you if you have a collection and you pay it off, it doesn't do anything for you at that point because it's already dinged your credit. Is that true? Yeah, it actually can do more harm than it can do good. Because you've lost that credit history attached to that collection account. Exactly. You know, that can be devastating. And it's, you know, it's those myths out there and or the common sense. Usually we can follow our common sense and this, there's no common sense to no, it. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense racket. that it's better for <laughs> you not to pay off that collection. So I always advise a cli- if clients that if it does have to be paid off, in the closing process, we're going to wait and take care of that at escrow and paid it directly through escrow so that everything has been completed at that time because, yeah, that's just the uh, craziness. So, um, Austin, talk a little bit about the Fair Credit Act. So, underneath the Fair Credit Reporting Act, Act us as consumers, um, we are allowed to dispute and investigate any piece of negative or derogatory information. The credit bureaus then have 30 days to respond back to our investigations that we want to hear. Now, um, what we have found is that if you have seven out of the same nine social security numbers or the first initial and same last name as someone else, we'll say, for example, a Travis or a Tracy Wilson, you're prone to having these identity errors. Now, the credit bureaus underneath the Fair Credit Reporting Act are not responsible for finding you and saying, hey, Tina, you have an identity error on your report. It is up to us as a consumer, and we will never know that unless we do a dive into our file. Mm-hmm. So I, I highly recommend that you do reach out to us here at 360 Credit Consulting. Once again, my name is Austin Chapin, and I can be reached at 303 550 
888-447-4753. One of our experts will gladly walk you through the process and help you get up to that score you need to be so you then in turn can get a home from Tina out here in the near future. Thank you, Austin. I want to go back to the Fair Credit um, uh, Act because a lot of times people think, well, if there's there's nothing that I did have these lates and I did have these issues on my, my credit, but it's not whether or not you... Um, that you, it's an, an error or a mistake. It's how it's being coded on the credit report, whether it's in violation to your rights as a consumer. So that's really what Austin and 360 Credit can uh, do is come in and take a look at how those things are getting reported and also make sure they have the proper documentation, which most of the time the creditors are not keeping that. And then these things have to be uh, deleted and released. Is that correct, Austin? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the credit bureaus are just responsible for holding that information. They are not responsible for what your creditor, say Capital One, is reporting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just responsible for displaying that and then generating an algorithm to give you your high, mid, and low score. So um, all their information has to be concise and verified that that is you. You are the one that is responsible for that collection or for that positive payment history. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I alluded to people trying to be their own experts in misconceptions. Uh, What are some of the misconceptions that you often see, Austin, with your customers? Um, Probably some of the largest misconceptions, uh, I'd find it in paying down your credit cards. When you should pay it down, people may say, oh, you max out your credit card and then pay it completely off. You'll gain the most points there. Um, That is a misconception. Truthfully, you need to always be utilizing your card and keeping a small balance on it. The smaller, the better. And in that situation, too, it can be devastating in the middle of the closing process oh, because yeah. you don't know when that is going to get pulled on the credit report. And then just as Austin, you'd mentioned before, that ratio of where you want to keep that amount to. Yes, exactly. I got a curveball for you, Austin. So a lot of people, if you have a credit card, it's not like a first through the 30th cycle, right? They report randomly at credit certain credit dates, right? Like so my credit card reports on, let's say, the 25th. And I have it maxed out at that point, and I think that mm-hmm. I pay it off every single month. If that percentage is higher than 30% at that point, it's actually damaging your credit, right? Yes, it is mm-hmm. vital as a consumer to uh, know whenever your uh, credit cards are reporting. Um, therefore, we'll check out your credit card statement so that you can see the exact date that, the, that it will be reporting to the credit bureaus because you may think you have that balance paid down beneath 30%. However, it was just over 50% and you thought it was paid off, but that date is not the same current one that you believe it should be at. Yeah, Austin, great, uh, great conversation with you here on the Money Hour. Every time you uh, step in studio, it's always a pleasure to have you here. And thank you, too. I want to give a shout out for uh, uh, being at my our Power Hour Lunch and Learn uh, yesterday that we did for our real estate expert professionals and sharing a little bit with them. Uh, for our, our agents that are listening out there, you guys as well need to have a great credit repair expert in your pocket ready to go for those clients uh, that have challenging credit. So, Austin, uh, thank you so much for everything that yeah. you do for us. Thank you so much for having me. And coming up next on the Money Hour, time to even out the playing field. Jebediah Gardner with Gardner Global, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you a homeowner in a condo community? Do you want to see the value of your home increased year over year? Do you wish your HOA had more money in reserves? Do you wish your property manager would respond to a simple email and phone call? 
Jebediah and his team at On Point Real Estate have assisted over 200 condo owners increase their property values with their high level of customer service and attention to detail. On Point manages over 20 acres of real estate in King County. Jebediah and the On Point Real Estate team is an award-winning real estate firm receiving the King County Small Business of the Year Award, Emerging Leader Awards, and the City of Seattle Human Rights Business Leader Award. Hi, I'm Jebediah Gardner, owner of On Point Real Estate. You can call me at 206-623-1844 or email me at jsg at onpoint-properties.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. And you're a local mortgage expert right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, January 19th show. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or, more importantly, to connect you with the guests that we have on the show. Please call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's 1855 411150 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, Jebediah Gardner with Gardner Global. And it's time to even out the playing field. Jebediah, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. First time in studio. Thank you very much, Tina. Thank you very much, Keelan. Appreciate it. And a little bit about Jebediah. He is founder and CEO of Gardner Global uh, Inc. and On Point Real Estate. He earned a bachelor's degree from University of Washington and later earned a Juris Doctor degree from Western Michigan Law School. Prior to development, Jebediah for, worked for Turner Construction Building Commercial High Rise in downtown Seattle. Since then, he has built up a client base of private and nonprofit clients in the real estate development space, providing feasibility pre-development and development services. Jebediah has worked on publicly subsidized affordable housing projects in Seattle, bringing together city, community, and design partners overcoming complex project hurdles. Jebediah has created a niche in providing nonprofit, public, and private market development services. Jebediah, super excited to have you on the show. Uh, fun fact for our listeners, <laughs> me and uh, Jebediah went to Kennedy High School. What? Uh, shout together. out to the Lancers. Yeah, ah. shout out Lancers. So uh, I've, I've known Jebediah a long time, seen him from afar doing big things. So uh, again, thanks for coming on the show, kind of full circle. So that's awesome. Well, the purple he's wearing, I get it now, University of Washington. You're really rocking that. Oh, yeah. You know, uh-huh. we were, you know bow down, bow down yeah. in Washington. Jebediah's always swagged out. I, <laughs> I have no doubt. Well, you're kind of swagged out too, Keelan. Oh, Victoria thanks. did say that you needed a sweater it up like Jebediah. But. I know. I'm going to have to change up my sweater game now. Clean yeah. as a whistle. Man. Clean <laughs> as a whistle. <laughs> well, tell our listeners a little bit about you, Jebediah. Yeah, originally from Los Angeles, uh, California, little neighborhood called Southgate, or Badio, I like to call it, moved up here uh, to Seattle in uh, 97. And uh, yeah, I went to Kennedy High School, Mealy, met Keelan, mm. and I uh, went to UW and uh, worked at Turner <coughs> Construction. And uh, that really, that's really how I cut my teeth in the industry and got passionate about real estate. And, you know, the market wasn't, wasn't so nice in 2009. Mm-hmm. Got laid off from Turner Construction. Decided that I wanted to start my own shop. And uh, really, really found a passion for real estate development. And uh, also knew that I needed to go, I needed an advanced degree to go to, uh, to, to be able to pursue this business. So I decided law school would be the, the way to go. So Very impressive. So I um, bit the bullet for three <laughs> years. 
I didn't really have any business activity for those first three years. So, you know, but I was able to, uh, you know, learn a lot. Yeah. bought my first investment property out there in Michigan, which is one of the reasons why I went to law school out there. So I sought, I decided which law school I was going to attend based off the depression in the market. Mm. Um, I needed access. Smart. And I didn't have any capital. So I said, you know what, Grand Rapids, Michigan, are you serious? I can buy a duplex for $13,000? <laughs> so I ended up taking my Obama financial aid money and buying a house out of yes. foreclosure. Nice. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest uh. it. Um, <laughs> But it's a part of the hustle, right? I had to yeah. figure out a way to, to get into the it's real estate game. It's always finding a solution mm-hmm. and always being able to maximize uh, the opportunities in any good market, good or bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, Jebediah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Gardner Global and what's the mission? The mission, you know, we're a privately held company. Uh, we specialize in uh, creating strategic acquisitions and partnerships and uh, investment partnership and community. Uh, we, we definitely believe that there is opportunity uh, to pursue the bottom line, but also you know, making sure that there's a, a very strong social component to that as well. So when you blend those two, it makes for a healthy ROI. Um, we, we like to, to, to bring them together versus keep them mutually exclusive. It makes a whole lot of sense to me. Well, you've accomplished a lot already, Jebediah, in, in your time here. You're not uh, you're not 50. Let's just say that. <laughs> I am. So, What's wrong with 50? <laughs> we'll move on. And um, <laughs> t- tell me about what motivates you. Like, what keeps you going? You, ha- I mean, that's a lot. You know that you've taken on already. And uh, what what gets you going? What gets me going? You know, family. Family is Amen. is to the core of of what I do, and it's what gets me up in the morning. You know, and um, you know, we come from a very humble background. Didn't come from, I would say, dirt. You talk to my grandfather, and he'll say we did come from the dirt. <laughs> um, so there was a lack of resources there, and um, to be able to be in a position to help and provide for my family now, um, to, it's it's just amazing, right? And there's things that that I know that that I want to do and continue to do, and things that my family members want to do, and I want to provide that for them. So it's it's a huge motivating motivating factor. My parents, my grandparents, niece and nephew, sisters, my sister. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. You know, I, I'm still stuck on the 50 thing when I got a bunch of young guys here in studio and Keelan, just my co-host out of anybody else, just mentions that you're not 50. Tina, but anyways, you, you I'm like 30, though, so you're you're good. You're yeah, good. people, they're, they can see the Facebook live, <laughs> Keelan. They're going to know that's not true. But anyways, um, so, yeah, they've uh, I, I love how everything that you've gone through and for your life, you're really being able to take that to uh, a successful level. And, uh, you know, talking about your why, because we all know as entrepreneurs, uh, knowing what your why behind something is really important so that that gives you the strength that you need to power through it. So a little bit more about your, you know, your your mission. Yeah. So, you know, we are a full service real estate firm, right? Mm-hmm. So we do brokerage, property, HOA, property management specifically, and development for nonprofit and, and private clients. And really the mission is to build wealth, right? Build wealth for not only ourselves, but our surrounding community and our clients. And when I got into real estate, post-Turner Construction, and I started doing my due diligence and started meeting with uh, a lot of the commercial developers that are the biggest developers on the, on the you know, entire West Coast um, that we have wow. here in Seattle and mm-hmm. learning underneath them um, and, and making them my mentors, literally making them, just showing up, knocking on the doors like, hey, we are meeting today. <laughs> and after learning how they were able to create wealth through real estate and just the, the so many different ways ways uh, you can make money through real estate it mm-hmm. was like this is this is insane no one's ever ever taught me this and so as I got gone through the process of building this real estate business I learned that there are more ways than one to be able to cut the pie right and so that 
is something that we want to share with our clients um, and our community to say, look, you may be used to income coming through just a brokerage sale, but there's so many other ways that income can come in. Property management, resale certificate fees, you know, demand request fees. I mean, all that stuff adds up. It may be little stuff, but you start adding that up, and all of a sudden you got yourself a nice little pocket, right? Where to, and way to start with the uh, the builder side. That's a smart mm-hmm. way to go. I mean, when the construction side of things, especially the high rises and all that, that's a really smart way to go on because these guys kind of know where we're going and you know what what the holes in the in the game are and how we fill them. And so that's a smart move. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I was lucky enough to have a relationship that got me in the interview with Turner Construction. Uh, Miss Ruby Jones, you know, she she's an amazing, amazing individual. So I got in that interview and they looked at me and they're like, well, we don't see construction management or engineering on this resume. I was like, you're right. You see English degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but they knew quickly that they wanted to tap into my uh, social skills and they would teach me real estate. And yes. that's what happened. Right. And so I was able to build relationships with subcontractors and and uh, and help build those buildings. Yeah. So what are you uh, advising right now in this market? Uh, where because there's always uh, areas that aren't going to be as favorable or tech, uh, techniques to use, and others that are going to be great in this type of type of environment that we're in. So what are you advising right now? You know, it's interesting. It, it really depends on what sector of the real estate market we're talking about. Uh-huh. If, if a single family um, or if a, a homeowner, a home buyer comes to me, he's like, well, hey, I hear the market's good. What should I do? Mm-hmm. That's a different response than me talking to a fellow developer saying, hey, I'm looking to acquire a, a piece of property and pulling, putting up 150 units sure, apartment sure. building. Yeah. Right? I would say that if you're a developer and you're looking to put a shovel in the ground now, it might be a little too mm-hmm. late. You might have missed the curb, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, if you're a, a home buyer, then you might want to snatch up some opportunities. You know, the supply isn't really, um, you know, meeting the demand, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. it really depends because we touch so many aspects of it, the management side, development side and the brokerage side. I'm always like, well, who's my audience before I just answer that question? Right. Makes sense. So it it can be tricky. It can be Mm -hmm. tricky. Fun fact, I was, uh, I did property, man- my mom's in property management. She's like vi- vice president of Edison 47. So one of my first jobs, I was a leasing consultant. So uh, that's nice. always interesting. And somebody got shot and died in the grass wow. in front of my office before no they way. go there. Yeah, literally serious? bled out in Boy, the grass. Boy, we talked this morning about oh. you getting held by gunpoint. Boy, you've had a lot of I major was, experiences. Wrong, yeah. Yeah. Set, set yeah. me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Living the life, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like, go lease apartments and didn't even tell me that fun fact. But uh, wow. I did. I leased it up, man, with a with a dead guy. Oh, there. my goodness. Oh, I'm my getting dollars. off track here. Uh, so, uh, Jebediah, tell this us about. This show is called The Money Hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Why? Yeah. The money hour. I have a really good friend who owns a funeral home. So, oh, there we go. See, it's about connecting the dots. Connecting Nina. the dots. <laughs> exactly. So, tell us a little bit about uh, Jebediah. Your your uh, influences. Like, who are the people that you look up to? And I know that's probably has something to do with your motivation as well. Yeah, huge, huge, huge um, part of of the growth of the business and and growth um, professionally and, and intellectually. And you know. I look up to folks who are directly in the development space, um, in the real estate space, and also just general business folks, and then folks who are just good at life, just, just mm-hmm. you know, personal-wise, you know, and so I try to keep a healthy network of folks who can help guide me and act as my compass. So, you know, in the development space, um, or I would say in the business space, you know, I have to give a shout-out to my guy Chip Reagan um, with Reagan Associates. He He's an amazing individual, and uh, he gave me one of the most amazing pieces of advice ever, and when I first started the company in 2009 and I told him I wanted to be a developer or I was trying, quote unquote, trying to be, he was like, you know what, Jebediah, you need to have ice in your veins. 
And every day it rings true because if so you get emotional, that. if you get, because people get attached to real estate, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. They get emotional, especially as a developer, you know, quote unquote, we're deal makers. Let's yeah. make a deal. And if a deal doesn't go right, you can fall into a slump and you're upset and you're mad because you get undercut. I mean, it's a sharky game. Yeah, yeah. So when he told me you have to have ice in your veins, it didn't really hit till I started getting my knees cut out from under me in certain certain deals. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so I remember that, you know, and I'm like, you know what, this, is, this isn't personal. This is just business, right? Yeah. So it's been very helpful. Uh, Douglas Howe, uh, he owned Touchstone. And um, he's, you know, he's put up commercial buildings all over the city. Mm -hmm. uh, George Petrie's a guy I go to all the time to talk to about, you know, deals and where I'm at. And so those are just a, you know, and then you got Dan Fulton, who's such an amazing, patient oh, yeah. individual. Dan, Dan Fulton is a, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, and, and these folks make time for me. So I really, mm -hmm. I really am thankful and appreciative. And, and so shout out to all you guys who, um. Made time for this uh, this young buck trying to come up in the game. That's awesome. Well, I, I always say that you know if everything is based on uh, your perception, and you have to be really careful in who you're getting your perception from because it's coming from somewhere. So always observing the best of the best. That's where you want to gain your perception from. Uh, so how do you incorporate community into your work in the real estate space? Yeah, it's it's very important for us to to keep um, not just one foot in, one foot out. Uh, in the in the community space, you know, we're we're all in, and how we do that is, you know, we engage uh, directly in the community, you know, on a on a grassroots level, you know, attending community meetings, offering our perspective and our thoughts on where things are. You know, there's a huge huge gentrification conversation happening, ongoing in Seattle, mm, yeah. And being able to be on our side, being an African American developer in Seattle, we see things differently than would you know <laughs> a, a white developer. Yeah. And so we're we're able to. Uh, but we're still in the in the real estate space, right? Yeah. So we're able to tap into that information and share that information. We're ha having an open day, an open office day, January 21st for MLK Day. Uh, just something we thought about, like, hey, we should just open our office to the community, mm. whether business, whether social justice, uh, just to let folks know that there's a safe space down in 1409 Post Alley where we can come and talk about how we can collaborate. It's 2019, you know, we're... Yeah. we're, yeah. we're we plan to to make the most out of this year. Love it. That's interesting. I, I was talking about affordable housing and racial was something that was brought up. You know, there's some grassroots and some issues that, you know, racially undivides and things in zoning and that have not been addressed yet. And that needs to be addressed in our community so we can go onwards and upwards, you know. Basically, can't run from it. It's the reality. It's the reality, <laughs> right? Um, so tell us, Jebediah, a little bit about um, projects you're working on currently. Yeah, you know, I can give you a high level of what we're working on in the <laughs> development space just because, uh, you know, most of our projects are tied to pretty strict confidentiality clauses. Yeah, I see. <laughs> uh -huh. Some things you learn. Here on the money some hour? things you learn when you have ice in your veins, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're working on a commercial building, uh, I would say this side of the pond. Um, that's going to be very interesting. We'll, we'll release more information as, as we uh, take our steps down that development path. And we're working on uh, an affordable home ownership project. Mm -hmm. um, in Seattle, I would say, and uh, it's it technically a condo project, but we want to be able to create um, condos that are affordable at the um, you know workforce level, mm -hmm. and we have an opportunity to do that. Um, so we're we're going to explore that option and partner with folks to to make it happen. That's yeah, huge. That's great. Well, Jebediah, thank you so much for uh, joining us in studio. Really appreciate your time and look forward to having you come back. Thank you guys for having me. Go Lancers, go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And on that note, come up next in the Money Hour. If you're unfortunately going through a divorce, we've got hot questions regarding your property with Vincent Humphrey, attorney at law with Humphrey & Associates, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break.
homeowner in a condo community? Do you want to see the value of your home increased year over year? Do you wish your HOA had more money in reserves? Do you wish your property manager would respond to a simple email and phone call? Jebediah and his team at On Point Real Estate have assisted over 200 condo owners increase their property values with their high level of customer service and attention to detail. On Point manages over 20 acres of real estate in King County. Jebediah and the On Point Real Estate team is an award-winning real estate firm receiving the King County Small Business of the Year Award, Emerging Leader Awards, and the City of Seattle Human Rights Business Leader Award. Hi, I'm Jebediah Gardner, owner of On Point Real Estate. You can call me at 206-623-1844 or email me at jsg at onpoint-properties.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. And co-host, Keelan Harvey. And you're a local mortgage expert right here on 1150 AM KKNW, our Saturday, January 19th show. Knowledge is power, and that's what you'll receive by listening to the show. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can always call the show at one 855 411150 or go online at themoneyhour.com to ask any questions of the guests that I have in studio today. And right now I'll have a conversation with Vincent Humphrey, attorney at law with Humphrey and Associates. And we're talking about divorcing and how that can affect your property. Vincent, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Tina, always a pleasure to be here. Likewise. So a little bit about Vincent. Uh, Vincent Humphrey, again, attorney at law with Humphrey & Associates, PLLC, which focuses on family law and civil litigation. His passion is bringing justice and clarity to those in need. His experience allows him to work well in many different situations, and his service first mentally allows him to break past the toughest scenarios. Vincent holds a Juris Doctorate degree from the University of Idaho College of Law and a Bachelor's of Arts degree from the University of Washington. He has advised executives from Fortune 100 companies as well as the working man and woman at the local grocery store. So he works with them all. Vincent participates in a very uh, various legal organizations in King County where he mentors other lawyers and is interested in helping good people going through tough situations. And it kind of sounds like a little bit of a passion behind what you do. And I really love that. Good people that are going through difficult situations is uh, a great thing to be able to do, Vincent. And really today we're talking about um, the unfortunate situation of going through a divorce, as we know that there are many good people going through that bad situation. And being this is about money, talking a lot about real estate, bringing in uh, how that's going to regarding your property um, is a topic that I wanted to go over. So Vincent, what can you explain to my listeners what community property means? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I could give the the legal definition from the RCW, but I don't want anybody to go to sleep today. (laughs) (laughs) Your description, your definition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and just as a precursor, I I know I said I'm I'm thankful to be here, but I just want everybody to know that's listening uh, that, that Tina, you're wonderful. Tina, you know, just quick, quick plug for her. She wrote a book uh, and she actually allowed me to have a copy of that and I actually just finished it. And so I hadn't had an opportunity to see her since then. But uh, for those of you that don't know who she is, she's an amazing person. She's not paying me to say this, but I'm saying she's an amazing person and I uh, hold her in that much higher regard. So I just wanted to say that at the outset that Tina, I'm so happy to be here and see you you and know a little bit more about your backstory. And uh, for those of you that 
I don't know about that. You definitely should check that out. It'll give you a better perspective as to who she is and why she does what she does. But enough of that. Have community property, Thank right? You. That's the question. Community That's property. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we a couple of years back, I was uh, just looking through just some of our archives at our office, and this is a situation that comes up very frequently. And so I remember we did a show. Uh, I think literally about two years ago, talking about mm-hmm. community property and money, and it is something that comes up consistently yeah. with our clients. And I think it's one of those things that uh, will help a lot of people. So if you're listening and you're, you know, in that situation, uh, pay attention here. So going through the divorce process, uh, one of the things to you know in Washington State is that there's really three different. Uh, frames, if you will, of how property is looked at. And when I say property, mm-hmm. we're meaning obviously your tangible property, such as a house, but also other soft assets, stocks or other bonds or mm-hmm. other sort of uh, assets that are appreciating in value. So uh, like I said, I won't define it, but in our RCW, uh, it defines it as things that you have that have been acquired since the date of I do. So a lot of times for my clients, I tell them that uh, when you said I do, that opened up this new category called yes. community property. So people going through a divorce, uh, a lot of them know that. They say, well, yeah, it's it's 50-50, right? And that's within the marital community. So think of it from the point when you said I do uh-huh. to, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, makes sense. But it, between those two statements there, yeah. everything that you have acquired uh, in assets as well as liabilities, and I, and I think that's another thing that people should be aware of, that it's not just the appreciable assets, right? If you've got a spending problem or, you know, we've got a, you know, it's unfortunate, but a lot of people make a dollar and spend five. Well, in that scenario, understanding that however you have leveraged yourself, credit cards, second mortgage, third, fourth, I don't know how far you can go down that route, but if you were leveraged to the hilt, understanding that that is also community property and that extends to everything from pensions, 401ks, IRAs. Uh, I call that the marriage tax. When it gets to that point where we say, I don't, the first question to know is, well, when did you acquire this? Was that after I do or did you have something from before I do or after I don't? And we can talk about that here. Yeah, um, a very good uh, description there, Vincent. And when it comes to mortgages with FHA, because Washington is a community property state, and so FHA looks at, and this is a a little shout out because I actually talked about FHA for the appraisal process. If you're going on an FHA loan, they do look at it as a community property state. And so everything that was inquired, acquired, um, you have to qualify for both of the debts on that. So, um, yes, you're taking on those liabilities. So, Vincent, what about a separate property? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and this is one of the things that a lot of people don't know or not aware of. Everybody kind of focuses on, yeah, it's community property state, 50-50, mm-hmm. what, you know, that that's kind of the end of it. And it's not true. There's... Uh, especially for those that maybe are in their second or third marriage or just waited until maybe, let's say, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or beyond. Uh-huh. Uh, good for you if you're in that beyond category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in that situation, everything that you have from before marriage is what we are considering separate property. And that's defined in our statute. Uh, for those of you that want to Google it, it's RCW 26.16.010. And that defines separate property. And in kind of my... Uh, take on that. Think of it as property that you had prior to that statement, I do. So what okay. you came into the marriage with. So if you said, look, in my IRA, I had, you know, X amount of dollars. It still is your money, even though you're married now, uh-huh. that is not subject to. I mean, there's always exceptions. And so, you know, I'll 
put that as a qualifier that yes, there are exceptions where you can convert money or assets from before marriage into making them community. Mm -hmm. But simply speaking, if you are able to keep that separate, that is your separate account, you have the statements or other documents to show that it is uh -huh. in fact property that you had prior to marriage, that will be looked at differently. So money that you have in that context is separate and is yours. So then anything that is yours before marriage can it be considered community property or no? It can be. And that's one of those things where if you, what we call commingle, so you had an account okay, and uh -huh. it had some money in it and then you guys bought a house, but you couldn't show the paper trail and you kind of put it all in the pot together in the community pot and then you uh -huh. were buying groceries from there and then you were adding uh, improvements to your home and you're not able to show how that money was derived, it can lose its what we call character. It can lose that tag of separate property. So one of the things that is very prudent to do is to make sure that you keep your documents, be able to okay. show that, yes, I had this account. It had this amount of money. I transferred this amount of money to this account. Uh -huh. From that account, I bought this. So that way you can show the court. So a lot of people that even if they are aware that they have separate property, they don't keep a good paper trail. And when you get to the court, uh, judicial officers are not CPAs. They're yes. not uh, financial accountants. Uh, and if they can't make a determination as to where did that come from, it will then be recharacterized. So just like in the uh, mortgage world, the uh, popular term, not a popular fun term, but paper trail. I mean, everything yes. has to be paper trail and documented. So getting back to um, uh, debt, so assets, it makes sense in that. Let's talk about debts because, I mean, again, I mentioned FHA and financing. If you can show that the debts were in your name only and they were before the marriage, then they're not used against qualifying if that other spouse is on the loan himself or herself. It's only if they're on it together, but anything that was um, purchased at the time or that they took out at the time is both of theirs. So what about when it comes to the law about debts that were acquired prior to getting married? Very similar. And so debts that are acquired prior to marriage, just like assets, would be considered your separate liability. So uh, for the millennials, that comes in a lot of times with student loan debt to say, uh -huh. well, we got married, but I had this student loan. That doesn't all of a sudden become the debt of your spouse. Now, if you continue on your studies after you say, I do, to the extent that you are matriculating past that point, yes, then that could be considered uh, some sort of community debt. I mean, there's still other arguments there because you know, you're not going to school on behalf of the other person. But yes. still, simply put, understanding that debts that you have prior to marriage will continue to be your separate obligation. So that's something to know. And that's mm -hmm. where, you know, I know this isn't the topic of this show, but prenuptial agreements, that's where that talk comes in because what that does is it defines very clearly mm -hmm. who has what from yeah. their debts to their assets so that in the event that it doesn't work out and there's uh, statistics, I won't spout those now, in regards to uh, chances of uh, success or a marriage yeah. that ends uh, at the time of death or something along those lines. So understanding that prenuptial agreements come and they help these conversations. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the divide of real estate because I have a lot of clients that come to me when they're going through a divorce and some are selling uh, the property so that they can get the cash that they need to pay out the spouse and the other's not. So how does that work? How are they going to divide that property? Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I'm sure you see this too, Tina, that a lot of couples, what they do, they have one spouse, maybe that's the earner and one that mm -hmm. kind of maintains the house or maybe yeah. doesn't earn as much and maybe is unaware of all of the finances and how things are yes. divided out. And to that, I say that the court is very cold. Uh, it's pretty, mm -hmm. you know, we'll say it's kind of black and white in regards to, well, if somebody is entitled to half the equity in the house, it doesn't matter 
right? That if you're trying to keep it, you're trying to take your check and you're trying to balance out all of the bills. Uh-huh. Simply put on paper, that half is theirs. So to the extent that somebody wants to keep a house and the other party or the other person, spouse says, I want to sell it, I just want my money. If you can pay, if you have the cash available, you can do that. You can buy mm-hmm. them out and then you would have to refinance to get them out of uh, the mortgage and those sort of obligations. And so that's another thing to know as well, that just because uh, you've done that or maybe even let's say there's a quick claim deed that's involved, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean uh, when there is a mortgage involved that, that you are... Uh, release from your liability that yes. takes an extra step. And a lot of attorneys, <clears throat> they don't do that. They just say, oh, sign a quick claim. You don't have any interest. But yeah. uh, that doesn't get whoever your holder is out of the picture because Makes sense. they can still come after you. Yeah. So let's talk about that extravagant gift. Uh, <sighs> brand new Ferrari. And it was specifically given at a five-year anniversary. So obviously mm. it was a, a gift. How does that come into play? First of all, wow. <laughs> I know, I know myself. My husband hasn't given me that extravagant gift. I, I was going to say, I want to go for a ride. I'm a yeah. Lambo guy, but I'll, we'll go for a ride. <laughs> Uh, the thing to know there is to, again, ask that question. Is this from before marriage? When did you get that? I'm uh-huh. assuming in this context that maybe during it was marriage. during marriage. Mm-hmm. And so with that, then the next question is, well, did they do it outright? Or is there a debt on that? Because yeah. they said, oh, here here it is for you. I've, I've financed it. Well, did we just create uh-huh. a debt there? So that's another question yeah. when somebody's giving extravagant gifts from, oh, here's a nice Rolex or here's some Manolo Blahnix or here's a nice trip out just for you. Is, is, did you pay for that? And how did you pay for that? Where uh-huh. did that money come from? Was that was that my money? Did yeah. you take out another mortgage to give me this yeah. Ferrari? Thank you, but not so really. So the idea that it's a gift, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's still... It, it could still be considered mm-hmm. community property or community debt. So let's just take another assumption and assume that it was uh, separate cash and they paid for it outright. Typically, okay. a gift is a gift. And mm-hmm. where you will see this more... I guess more realistically than the Ferrari is the wedding ring. When things go bad and they say, ah, you know, that Tiffany solitaire, that seven carats. Uh Well, what happens with that? Well, a lot of times that was given before marriage. So now you can see that's, well, that's separate property. And it was a gift. Got it. I mean, they can be nice, but a lot of times. So sad for that husband uh, situation because usually that's where it's going to come in. So, uh, Vince, if if your spouse and yourself do a have a a business together, a co-owned business, that seems like it get really complicated. Um, I mean, we could probably have a whole show on that question. Uh, So what would that, how do they look at that? Really quickly, I would say that's where you would get outside help. That's where you get a financial advisor or a planner to evaluate the business and then to be able to assign some sort of value to both uh-huh. sides. So you're right that maybe maybe that'll be the next show, but yeah. there's a whole lot to that question. Yeah. So it sounds like really when it, when it comes to um, marriage and really anything else when it comes to law, just making sure that you have everything protected and documented and really understand how everything works because nothing is guaranteed um, and no exceptions there when it comes to marriage. So you just want to make sure that you're looking at the worst case scenario and understanding what that is. And if you need assistance and you've got any any legal issue that's going on, uh, really the money hour, what the show is all about is setting you up with the the best of the best in the industry and all aspects of 
protecting your money so that you can have a uh, protect your family. Um, so I encourage for you to call the show and connect with Vincent. And Vincent, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Truly a pleasure. I look forward to that lunch and coffee. Likewise. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, this is your host, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts. And we'll be here same time, same place next week right here at 1150 AM KKNW. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.